0: Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Chapter 8, Communication Content. Once we understand the color in crisis and that our mood or effect is an important dimension of crisis communication, we can begin to consider crisis content. People not trained in crisis intervention generally focus more or less exclusively on the content when talking with an individual in crisis. As our understanding of crisis color suggests, the mood or tone of the individual in crisis is at least as critical as, and perhaps even more critical than, the specifics of what happened and what is happening. If we look at any of the examples of crisis in the text, we can see that a calm, rational, planning person would be able to understand and deal with the situation. The critical aspect of the situation comes primarily in terms of the individual's mood or color. It is his anger, fear, anxiety, apprehension, extreme depression, and so on that elevates the now potential and works against his dealing with the situation himself. It is the blue of crisis communication that directly responds to the most critical part of the crisis, that is, the individuals being so upset or agitated that he is unable to calm down, slow down, and plan ahead. At first glance, it may seem naive to suggest that most crises can successfully be reduced by the simple technique of controlling your mood, or effect, as you respond to the individual in crisis. If you can consistently respond in purposeful shades of blue, assuming that your verbal comments are relatively neutral and innocuous, you will usually need to do nothing more than filter the individual's communication through your blue screen. If you continue this process patiently, caringly, and persistently, the crisis will pass. With further thought and experience with people in crisis though, you will see that the intensity of the individual's emotional state, his crisis color, is what is really keeping him from dealing with the situation himself. Filtering and modifying those emotions then, is the main thing we have to do to reduce the crisis. If you can stay calm, keep your cool, and avoid verbally or emotionally attacking the individual or pushing him away, he will respond positively. It is important to see that this communication model places primary emphasis on the quality of the interaction between you and the individual. The mood or tone of that interaction is the part of helping that helps the most. Along with the stress on the quality of interaction this communication model also implicitly and explicitly assumes that the individual in crisis is capable of being a rational, planning, thinking person. We do not see the individual as sick or disturbed. He is a healthy, responsible person just as you and I. His problem is that the conflict in his interaction with his situation is extremely stressful to him. It is this stress he is under that is causing him to be anxious, upset, afraid, extremely angry, and so forth. If we can help him deal with these intense emotions and gradually get him to look more critically at his situation, he has the strength, capacity, and integrity necessary to deal with it. It can hardly be overemphasized that the present approach to crisis intervention assumes that we are dealing with healthy people who are capable of dealing with their life situations. Our mood and tone and the color of our communication help them to use their own reasoning and planning capacities. A Faith in People In human services, there is an adage that directs us to work with the individual in an effort to maximize his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. In crisis situations, anger, fear, confusion, apprehension, depression, despair, and so forth are interpreted as temporary weaknesses. They have welled up in the individual, temporarily overpowering his reasoning, thinking, and planning strengths. Our faith in people leads us to the belief that no matter how upset and overwhelmed the individual feels he has more than enough strength within him to cope with his situation. Understanding and using communication color leads to reducing and minimizing the temporarily disabling effect of crisis color. Understanding and focusing on communication content directly enhances the individual's capacity to deal with his world. Mrs. M, age 29 has eight children. The oldest child is 14, and the youngest is seven months. Six of the children are normal and have no particular physical, emotional, social, or adjustment difficulties. Her 12-year-old, however, has a chronic kidney disease, requires regular medical treatment, and has to have her activities carefully supervised and regulated. The 7-year-old is in the 2nd grade, is mildly retarded, and has been diagnosed as a hyperactive child. Mrs. M deals quite well with the mild retardation, but to her, the hyperactivity roughly translates into a walking disaster. The little boy has an extremely short attention span, cannot sit still, is always into everything, seems unable to follow directions or accept limits, still wets the bed and occasionally messes himself during the day, and seems to require more time and attention than all of the other children put together. Mrs. M has been married, this time, for a little over a year. Her first marriage, when she was 14, lasted only a few months. Her second marriage lasted a little over four years, and her third marriage lasted about a year. She and the children live with her present husband in an older, three-bedroom house that has inadequate plumbing and heating. The girls use one bedroom, the boys another, and the baby has a crib in with her and her husband. She and her children have received welfare help in the past but presently live on the income her husband earns working in a factory. He also has to pay $30 a week child support to his first wife for the care of their two children. Mr. M's two boys from his first marriage spend every weekend at the M's house, plus six weeks in the summer. As we look at several messages from Mrs. M, two responses are suggested to each message. The messages communicate a certain content and express Mrs. M's thoughts and ideas about several things. The two responses following each message also communicate certain content. In addition, the responses tell Mrs. M something about your assumptions about and attitudes toward her. Looking at each response, does it convey a faith in Mrs. M? Does it support and encourage her inner strength and capacity? Does it tend to increase or decrease Mrs. M's ability to cope with her situation? Message: Sometimes I just can't cope with all those kids There are so many of them There is always one of them getting into something or wanting something or fighting or screaming or something Response 1 Did you think about the kind of hassle it was going to be before you had that many kids? Response 2 I don't see how you do it I would be up the wall if I were you Message: I'm not very smart I've only got a 7th grade education I'm no psychologist or nothing But I think there's really something wrong with my 7 year old Response 1, the doctors have told you that he is a little retarded and that he is hyperactive. He would probably be easier to deal with if there weren't so many other children. Response 2, you seem to know quite a lot about kids and being a mother. The 7-year-old has some special problems, but the rest of the kids get along real well. You have a lot of first-hand experience with little kids and should be a pretty good judge of a child with special problems. Message, my husband doesn't want to accept responsibility for the kids and won't help me with them. I don't know why I put up with him. He just wants me for someone to sleep with. I don't know, I shouldn't say that. He works hard and does try to pay the bills, and I guess he is entitled to a little freedom and happiness. He goes out and has a good time, and I'm always left home with those kids. I need a little fun too. Response 1, you should put your foot down and insist that he help you. He took on the responsibility for you and the kids when he married you, and you should make him do what is right. Response 2, it's a lot of responsibility for him and for you. You take care of everyone but who takes care of you. There ought to be some way you could get some time to yourself and get away from the kids, the house, and all the hassle. Is your husband ever willing to watch the kids so you can get out by yourself for a little while? Message, we never have any money to do anything. There's the heat for the house and all those doctor bills. It seems like I never have 10 cents extra to do anything. Sometimes I think it would be easier to get welfare again. Response 1, what would that do to your self-respect to go back on welfare? Maybe you can think up some way to cut corners or to buy less expensive foods. Response 2, I can see how there wouldn't be any extra money. You must be a magician, taking care of your house and family on your husband's income. I think you could probably give me a lesson in money management. Your kids are always so clean and neat looking and seem so healthy and well fed, and your house always looks like you really make an effort to take care of it. How do you do it? Message, I think part of my trouble with my husband is our personal relationship. There's all those kids, and I think if I got that way again I'd just die. Response 1, why don't you get your tubes tied or tell your husband to have a vasectomy? Response 2, I can see how you might worry about that and might feel a little uncomfortable with your husband. Have you talked with him about your worries of getting pregnant? Message, I've kinda gotten away from church these past few years, and I miss it. The kids need that. I just can't get them all there. Response 1, you should bring them up in the church. That is your responsibility. You live close enough to the church that you could walk from your house. Just get the kids up and over there on Sunday. Response 2. Have you talked with anyone at church about the problem? Maybe someone there would be able to help you round up the kids and get them over there. I see your minister once in a while. Would you mind if I mentioned your problem to him? Rational Support In crisis communication, we want to be as helpful to the individual as our knowledge and skills let us, and we can do more than merely filter the individual's crisis color through our blue screen. In crisis communication, an important part of our goal is to make our skills and abilities available to the individual. We have made our mood or tone available to him in a way that helps him calm down and plan ahead. In the same way, we can make our skills and knowledge available to him in terms of thinking, questioning, considering, and planning. For example, people caught up in the emotions of crisis are usually trying to think about and concentrate on what to do about the situation. Their thoughts and ideas about what to do are generally motivated by a very emotional and somewhat confused notion of what happened. When we ask them, what happened? We are asking them to think more clearly and objectively about what caused them to be so upset or confused. The question, what happened? Gently encourages them to begin to think about this situation in a more reasoning and systematic way. If they were not so upset, they would probably be figuring out what happened themselves instead of using all their energies thinking about what they are going to do. Our questions, interest, and calm concern gradually nudge them to use their own thinking and planning skills. They start out by using our questions, our way of systematically looking at their situations, and our skills at thinking through problems. Our skills and knowledge are available to them, and they use these as a means of getting in touch with their own skills and knowledge. Basically, we become a part of their communication process, asking questions, giving focus to problems, helping them to be more systematic. We have all had conversations with someone who goes into great detail as he talks. He wants for example, to tell us that he is unable to keep a date he has with us. The short version of his story is that something unexpected came up. He calls up to cancel our meeting. The conversation starts, I got a call yesterday from my mother. She hasn't been feeling well. It probably is a recurrence of an old back injury she received in an automobile accident several years ago. She was driving her car past a school, when a school bus backed out into her lane of traffic. 15 minutes later, and after having completely exhausted our patients, he tells us that his mother has a doctor's appointment, and he has to take her that is why he will not be able to meet with us. In many conversations, people tell us more than we want to know, while people in crisis have the opposite tendency to tell us far less than we need to know. A fairly complex set of circumstances has led to a crisis. The individual is very familiar with the circumstances and is experiencing crisis. At that point, he is oriented to getting himself out of the crisis. He might start by saying, what can I do? I have to do something. If this is the first time we have talked with him, our first thought will usually be to ask what happened about which something needs to be done. Frequently, it is difficult to get people to move past their emotional reaction and their intense focus on I have to do something. Helen, age 23, starts her communication in a very intense, almost overwhelming way. You have to help me. I don't know what to do, it's terrible. I don't know how I ever got myself in such a mess. I'm going to have to quit my job and move. There's no other choice. I just have to. I can't stay around. I can't face people. There's just no way I can deal with this. You ask in a slightly excited tone, what happened? I can't tell you. I can't tell anyone. If anyone ever found out about this, well, I just, I can't tell you. I can't tell anyone. You say, I can't imagine what would seem so terrible. What could happen that would make you want to quit your job and feel it would be awful if anyone found out about it? It's so terrible. I don't see how I could be so stupid. It's horrible. I'm so stupid. Now everything is ruined, everything is ruined. You say, sometimes bad things happen, but that doesn't mean that we are stupid. You don't know what happened. You don't know how really bad, stupid, horrible it really is. You ask, would you tell me what happened if I guess? No, yes, I don't know. Go ahead. You ask, did you get raped or something like that? Oh, my God, no. It's nothing like that. Wow. That would really be terrible. I don't know what I would do if something like that ever happened to me. You ask, if it's not so bad as that, can you tell me a little bit about what it has to do with? It's really hard. I can't tell you. I don't know. I have to tell someone. I don't know what to do. What should I do? You say, I don't know. Let's think about it. Can you tell me what happened? Well, you were sort of right, but nothing really happened. It's a man. A guy I work with. I let him take me for a drink after work one evening, and on the way home, well, things got a little out of hand. Nothing really happened, but he called this evening, and my husband answered the phone. I think he knows something was going on. I don't know why I let it happen. It was so stupid and dumb and terrible. I want to tell my husband it's nothing and that nothing happened. I'm afraid though. I just know he would leave. Sometimes it is necessary to guess or follow hunches when helping people express the content of their crises. These guesses and hunches are based on our understanding of people, their situations, the interactions between them and their situations, and our understanding of the most likely causes and kinds of conflicts in those interactions. When people are having extreme anxiety, guilt, embarrassment, and apprehension about anyone finding out what happened, it is important to note that the crisis frequently has a sexual component. Think for example, about your biggest secret. What single incident or episode in your life would you be least willing to have published in your local newspaper? Odds are that it has something to do with sex or sexual behavior. Even if this is not true for you, it is true for most people. When people are having extreme difficulty getting up the courage to tell you what happened then it is a good bet that a sexual incident of some kind is involved. Encouraging Assessment How do we help an individual in crisis deal with the content of that crisis? We gently encourage him to become involved with us in the assessment set. First, we want to think with them about the precipitating event and what happened. We know that the conflict is in the interaction and that the precipitating event disrupted the interaction between the individual and his situation. We also know that the precipitating event occurred fairly recently. It may be true that the conflict has been going on for a long time. But the crisis was precipitated by a fairly recent event, a worsening of the conflict, some exacerbation of the difficulty in the interaction. Frequently, people in crisis will not be particularly receptive to this notion they will want to blame themselves, see the cause as originating in the past, or, more often than one might think, try to convince us that the crisis has no cause. Harold says, my relationships with my family, friends, fellow workers, and so on, are fine. They are all wonderful people. Don't try to blame them for this. I really haven't done anything either. Nothing has happened. This just came over me, and there is no reason for it. Our understanding of crisis and of the crisis intervention process lets us know that crises always have a precipitating event. In crisis communication then, we gently but persistently encourage the individual to think about himself, his situation, and the interaction between him and his situation until we both can see what caused the crisis. Usually, discovering and understanding the precipitating event is not particularly difficult. Sometimes though, we must be very patient and skillful to get to where both of us understand what happened. We can see now that the assessment set is not for our benefit or information. Rather it is an important part of crisis communication. As such, it helps the individual assess his own crisis and helps him gradually start to use his own thinking and planning skills. Once we have enabled him to analyze and understand the precipitating event, we gradually start developing our picture of the crisis. We think, with the individual, about the most important aspects of his situation, himself, and the interaction between himself and his situation. Through this process of looking at the individual, his situation, and the interaction, we can gradually come to understand the conflict and the interaction in relationship to the precipitating event. This, in turn, helps us better to understand the present crisis. Important, however, is the fact that this understanding is not for our benefit. The goal is to help the individual understand his situation, the interaction, the conflict, the precipitating event, and, thus, the crisis the communication content helps the individual think more clearly, analyze more thoroughly, and plan more carefully. He uses our skills to enhance or supplement his own skills. Continuing to combine our concern for crisis color with the assessment set, communication content moves from the precipitating event and our picture of the crisis to potential cumulative and unseen effects of his crisis and of the things he is thinking about doing. In addition, we will draw from our understanding of the specific type of crisis to ask questions about possible undesirable effects developing possible solutions. Once we are sure that the individual has not neglected any important responsibilities or overlooked some important undesirable consequences of the present situation, we will help him think through possible ways of dealing with his present crisis. With him, we have come to an understanding of what happened and of what is happening. Now we will help him focus on what is likely to happen. We are now beginning to make our planning skills available to him. As he gradually begins to calm down, settle down, think things through, and plan ahead. We are nearing the end of the crisis intervention process. The now potential is substantially reduced and the self-resolution factor is rapidly increasing. Within the communication loop, we have effectively combined crisis color with crisis content and moved toward the goal of crisis reduction. Ivan, age 16, has been telling us about a fairly complicated crisis. He was initially very upset and felt as if everything was hopeless. Using our understanding of communication color, we are able to get him to calm down and explain what happened. In the last few days, things had gone from bad to worse. He had a big fight with his girlfriend, accusing her of being too friendly with another boy at school. After thinking about it, he came to the conclusion that she is a vivacious, friendly young girl and that he is jealous of any attention she pays to other boys. He sees that he had probably overreacted and that the fight was mostly his fault. The problem is that she is not speaking to him now. In addition, he flunked his English exam. He blew up when the teacher handed him back his test paper, and she sent him down to the office. The principal had really raked him over the coals for his belligerent attitude toward the teacher and had called his parents. That started things at home, and he got into a huge argument with his father. The result was that his father grounded him for a month, which means that he will not be able to go to his job after school and will not get paid next Friday. He knows that his girlfriend wants to go to the school dance next Saturday evening, but since he is not going to get paid, he will not have enough money to take her. If all this were not enough, he stormed out of the house after the argument with his father, jumped into his car, tore out of the driveway, and ruined the transmission. There's no money to get that fixed, and he can't use the car, anyway, since he is grounded. The final straw came today when his mother learned from the mother of his best friend that Ivan had smoked some marijuana at a party two or three weeks ago. Now she is down on him, threatening to take him to juvenile court. It is all too much. He feels like just taking off. You say, I think I might feel like splitting too if I were you. It seems like everything is just going from bad to worse. Do you think that will really help anything to take off? I doubt it. They would just put the police on me, and then I really would be in bad. You say, there's the problem at school, the hassle with your parents, the trouble with your girlfriend, and the transmission in your car. Does that pretty well cover it? That's pretty much it. I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to get things straightened out somehow. You ask. Which of those four things needs straightening out the most? I don't see that there is much I can do about the thing with mom and dad. I'm grounded for a month, and that's that. I don't really think mom will take me to court, but she's pretty mad. She's kind of soft, and I think I can get back in with her okay. I could always apologize to my English teacher and see if that did any good. I doubt it, but it can hurt anything. My car? It's a lost cause. I have probably lost my job, and there's no way to fix the car without money. You ask. Is there any possibility that your mom and dad might let you keep your job if you didn't do anything else for a month? I never thought about that. They might. You ask, have you tried to talk with your girlfriend? A couple of days ago but not since then. You ask, will you see her at school? I'll see her. Maybe I can try to talk to her. As we see, intervention with Ivan has moved past the initial communication color, and through the use of understanding and skills from communication content, a picture of Ivan's crisis has been developed. You are in the final stage of crisis intervention with him. You and he are beginning to consider his options for doing something about his situation. The overwhelming big problem has been broken down into several more manageable problems. You are helping Ivan to think about possible ways of dealing with the smaller problems. You are careful not to tell him what to do but rather are suggesting possible ways of dealing with the problems. As we see, Ivan is a bright boy who is quite capable of understanding and thinking about his problems. You are encouraging his capacity to focus on his problems, think things through, and consider possible ways of dealing with them. In summary, crisis communication is based on faith in people. The belief and assumption that people can understand and think about their problems are fundamental values underlying this social interaction model for crisis communication. Our goal is to minimize the effect of intense emotion and confusion and to maximize the rational, thinking, planning ability of the individual we gradually get him to focus on his crisis, understand the precipitating event, develop a picture of his situation, see his problems in a manageable perspective, and think about possible ways of coping with those problems. Crisis intervention is a supportive, enabling process that helps and encourages the individual to calm down, think things through, and plan ahead.